Hello world, you are listening to Women Watching Sports Live F1 Edition. Thank you for joining us here on our Apex Takeover podcast with your hosts, Tanya, Tashari, and myself, Martha. Before we get into it, let me remind you, go ahead and subscribe right now so you don't miss anything. And let's get into the conversation. Let's go. Yes. Hello, hello. Hey. <laughs> yes. Well, so today is a special day because we have a special guest on the APAC Takeover. You just heard her voice, but let me give you a proper introduction to the Carol Glenn. She is a history maker. She has made history by being the first Black woman to become the UK race official. She has had decades of experience in motorsports, such as championship co-coordinator, secretary of the meeting, and clerk of the course. She has officiated um, She has officiated historical races like the Le Mans 24-hour, the Newburgh Ring, and the A1 Grand Prix. She is currently the CEO of Next Racing Generation Academy, and she started this up after the devastating events surrounding the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the likes. She plans to really encourage drivers of any diverse background to undertake training in motorsports as a career. So, Carol Glenn, thank you so much and welcome to the Apex Takeover podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really delighted and excited. We are so glad you're here, Carol. And we just want to take this time to thank you and to just jump right into it. So we want to talk first start off by talking about like your motorsport involvement and everything that you have going on with the new ventures that you're doing, as well as the ventures that you've already partook in. Okay, that's cool. Let's go. All right. So I was reading some articles and I I know I saw some interviews and you talked about how you got started in motorsports. You talked about how you used to watch James Hunt every weekend as a child and how you was hooked going to the brand hatch with your partner at some point. But I want to know exactly what hooked you to motorsports and then even specifically to F1? Well, um, I suppose it goes back to that childhood when I was a baby, about 10, 11, 12. And I remember watching, not just watching James Hunt and watching the, the Grand Prix, actually watching the RAC rally that used to be on television a lot. And I remember mm-hmm. watching the Audi Quattros literally flying through the forests of, of, of Wales. And I always mm-hmm. said to myself, when I get older, I want a white Audi Quattro. I still have, I'm older and I still haven't got the Audi Quattro, but it's still on my hit list. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and and obviously I was a bit I was a bit different because I grew up in a, fa- a family of four girls. Dad was a builder, mum was a housewife. So there's no motorsport, you know, background in our in our in our family whatsoever. Um, but I just had that love of cars and speed, which sort of lied dormant until I then met my next partner. And he used to disappear at weekends to Brands Hatch, and I sort of eventually went with him one day, and that was it. It was love, love at first sight, and it's been a love affair ever since. Um, wow. so, so that's how I became. That's how I got into motorsport and yeah came an official and that's it that's amazing carol that's a really very very interesting story considering too you've got it's like four girls there's no boys in that family right and you were just hooked as as early as 10 years old so that's pretty awesome now i i I've been to a few races and I've always sat there and I was like, I want to get closer. I want to get closer. And I've looked at Marshalls and I'm like, oh, I wish I was that person right there. <laughs> you know, I, I really want to know. I, actually, not just me. I feel a lot of people want to know how 
basically do you become a track side marshal? How did how did this journey happen for you? How did you become a marshal? Well, I suppose I was lucky because I had my um, my partner's assigned post to, to the club that, that he belonged to, so we became a mem- member of the club. But anybody, you know, wherever, wherever you are in the world, you just you just look up to find out where your local motorsport club is and 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 and, and call them or email them, and, and they'll have some sort of training scheme so you you'll join. A lot of clubs here in the UK now they're doing what they call taster days, which they didn't do in my day. So a taster day means you actually come along for the day and you get led around the circuit you get to get shown the different roles you get to, you, in the afternoon you get given a t- chance to actually have a go and 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 you can do that you can come back for a couple of weeks before you start you know getting um, too involved because because you you have to buy your own uniforms and things like that so you can actually have a go before you actually commit you know uh, f- um, full time but i'd say it's definitely a thing to do if you if you want if you want to go and watch like you know race meetings like the great grand prix or any even any club racing this is the way to do it because you've got the best view in the world because you are on the track side. So you can watch the races uh, and actually be part of it. Especially Absolutely. if a car comes yeah. up near you, then you've got to actually help that driver out of his car and, and get his car recovered. And wow. that's what, yeah, isn't that so neat? I was thinking of what you were just saying, Carol. And what comes to mind for me is the crash that happened with Romain Grosjean and how it was the trackside marshals that were there first Mm -hmm. to put the fire out and also to assist in helping Romain Grosjean um, ultimately escape that that fireball that he was in. Yeah, that, that's all part of the training. So, so you are you're not just left let loose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please tell us. That's what I have to ask you. So, tell us your experience yeah, so as that, a track marshal. Okay, so that's the nice thing about being a marshal is that you get a lot of training. So, you get a lot of practical and theory. So, um, in the closed season, so for us in here in the UK, it's normally between January and February. We do lots of training. So, you'll we'll do fire training where they'll where you'll track or somewhere where they will they'll get a dummy car and put it on fire and you're you're shown how to pull a a fire extinguisher in anger where to aim it and what to look for and obviously it's important now it's also with with the newer cars where they haven't actually got engines per se they've got these new um batteries and you've you've got those certain techniques you've got to use to put fires out you've got to make sure you've got the right gear on so you so the overalls are flame proof our overalls are also play flame proof you've got to make sure you've got your gloves on so you shouldn't be touching anything without your gloves on right wearing protective boots so we're very much wear as much almost as much protection as the drivers do you're told to not panic um you know make keep yourself first, safe at all times is the first requirement then you try and rescue the driver Never do anything that you don't think you can cope with. But you often are working in a team. And as you said, you've seen often there's like a group of marshals. It's the marshals from the nearest post that will go to where that incident is. Followed up on by um, a rescue unit and the doctors coming by by car and possibly an ambulance would, would then arrive as well. Extraordinary. Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I didn't I know, know that all. Yeah. Me either. No idea. So like firefighting techniques, everyone is, is taught. <laughs> and Right. Uh, yep. Oh my gosh. And then you guys kind of have to be a little fearless too, because you're running towards a situation that can be very, very impactful. Exactly. And you've got the carrier sometimes, you've got to pick up your fights, which is near you, and run with that as well. And that's quite heavy, I tell you as well. Right. Right. But what is, but what is good is that the skills that you've learned through your marshalling is also transferable. So mm-hmm. when I, at my day job, I'm more often not, not the fire marshal because 
I've actually, not many people who said that they've pulled the fight or wouldn't freeze if there was a situation. Right, right. So mm. I, I ended up becoming my first aider at work and fire marshal because I'm, you know, I know I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic in that case if there was a fire. Fascinating. So, yeah. So, so but, if so, a situation like that went down, Carol, I would definitely want you next to me. Uh-huh. Probably, <laughs> probably before Tashari. Okay. <laughs> And, and the other thing it helps you with is occasionally if you come across a road traffic accident, the amount of times the marshals have been able to help, you know, neutralise a, a situation on a road traffic accident. Because, again, they don't panic. M- most marshals may actually have a, a, a fire extinguisher in their car. They'll certainly have a first aid kit. I mean, I've definitely got a first aid kit in my car. So you can assist somebody. Because we also talk like if somebody has is unconscious or, um, or they're in a car, you might do, let's say there isn't a fire, talk about how to hold somebody's head still, not move it. And that's the job you will do until, until medical cover comes. So also paramedic. You could just add paramedic triage nurse and into that <laughs> role as well. That is fantastic. So let me ask you this with you in your business ventures that you're in now. Also, when you were a trackside marshal, how were you able to manage work and life balance? Mm, Difficult. So you go to work from Monday to Friday to help fund your, 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 your weekend um, activities. Because as I said, we, um, as a marshal, you're a volunteer, so you're very much self-funding. I mean, the clubs will sometimes maybe give you a breakfast voucher or give you sort of a, maybe the, you, know, you might win some money, um, but more often than not, you're actually you know, self-funding. Um, you've got to be there. I mean, I mean, my local circuits, at the moment, I live near Silverstone, so I'm about 40, 50 minutes away, so I could go backwards and forward. But if I'm going somebody further, like Brands Hatch or Donington Park, then you can't do that in a day, so you're going to have to stay over. So a lot of marshals camp, or they've got caravans or motorhomes. Unfortunately, I'm not a caravan person or a camping person, so I end up going have a lot lodges and premier inns and, you know, um, B&Bs. Um, but you often have to go up there on a Friday night. So it means that like, you can't go to after work drinks on a Friday night because you've got to be driving maybe 100 miles to go to a race meeting. And then you're getting up on a Saturday morning, on a Sunday morning, sometimes earlier than you would do to go to, get, you would do to, go to work. So I'm often up by six o'clock because you have to be at a circuit by 7.30 in the morning. And wow. then it depends what role I'm doing. I mean, if I was doing secretary of the meeting, you're actually the first one there and you're actually also one of the last people to leave. So you might not leave the circuit until 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night and you've then still got to drive home. Wow. I mean, my family will tell like... you, sorry, will, will tell you that I mean, I've missed so many birthdays, christenings, mm. weddings, because I was, you know, because at the beginning of the year, you sort of get your your lists and availability from all the, for the clubs that you belong to, and you might belong to more than one club. And you tick and, and say you're, you'll be available for X, Y, Z. And really, in a way, it's, it's a commitment you've made right from the beginning of the year, so that's, that's fixed in your diary. And, yes, if something urgent comes up, people will back out. But if everybody backs out, no motorsport could take place. And it's if the marshals aren't there, the drivers can't go racing. So if you, have, if you haven't got enough people manning the post, that, that meeting is in jeopardy. And we've come close um, over the years sometimes to that being very, very short staffed. So it's a commitment making. Yeah, I was going to ask you in light of like the whole COVID situation, do you have, do, do you know of like any races that were basically on the verge of probably not happening because they didn't have enough marshals and other personnel to make sure that the tracks run safely? Well, 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 what they did, especially with Motorsport UK and the clubs, we actually developed a, a COVID scenario so that there was a reduction of how many people. So let's say normally in a post, you might have four people on a post. We were do, it was reduced down to two um, so, they could, so they could spread out so they could, didn't have to be too close. We also devised a system where 
for the for, for the during the COVID period when we were racing, that the drivers were told if they had an accident, they had to stay in their car, raise their thumb if they were okay, and then we had to wait for the rescue unit to come and get them out of the car because that's because they would have all the PPP in. So so the so new guidelines are put in place. But um, we've now got back to um, posts being fully banned. So posts will have now maybe four or could have up to eight people on a post. Yeah, and obviously people just just have to just. Be careful. Keep washing your hands and and do those sorts of things. Still, sounds like all everything you've just said right now sounds like obviously it's a lot of sacrifice, but at the same time, I think it is something that's more fitting for someone who's passionate about racing and motorsport. Um, speaking of passion and motorsport, I wanted to ask you. I know you marshaled for Formula One and Le Mans as well. I wonder. If, I'm just curious. What other motorsports interest you, if any, and why? Other okay. than Formula One. And- well, I'm actually involved also. Um, very, obviously, obviously, a lot of the stuff I do on a on a week to base basis is cl- what we call club motorsport, and I'm also involved in sprints. And I've recently just got involved with rallycross as well. The Five Nations uh, at Knockhill and Pembrey, very recently as a radio controller. That's amazing. Yeah. So wow. If it's got four wheels, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be doing any anything with the two wheels? I used to. I used to work with uh, World Superbikes back in um, 99 and 2000. I was a coordinator at Brands Hatch um, for bringing, bringing in um, World Superbikes, the team, getting race control ready for them, getting the media centre set up, doing the podium. Yeah, so I, I have I have dabbled with two, two, two wheels. So I guess the next question, Carol, has to be, what haven't you done yet besides drive a car? <laughs> <laughs> that's it, really, actually. I haven't done it all. That's, that's the one thing that's eluded <laughs> I got so too busy doing, you know, being an official and working my way up that um, I, I, I always wanted to, go to, to, to race a car in anger. But then there was a period when I thought, well, if I did go on the track, there was maybe too many drivers that I might have upset that would want to sort of like you know, have a go and, and knock me off. Thank you, Al. Oh, man. But, um, but I'd love to do it before I get too old and decrepit. So I'd love to, I'd love to have a go and, and at least do one race in, in, in anger. Definitely. All right. Well, we'll hold you account. We'll hold you accountable. We'll keep checking right. every few months and say, Carol, have you have you driven yet? Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Maybe we'll be there. We'll be there uh, at yeah. at, a, at a race yeah. where, where you are able to uh, to drive in. I but I know you talked about a lot of the other um, sport motorsports you're involved in besides Formula One, and then I would like to get more into your actual positions. I know you talked about your day to day and what it looks like to be a marshal and all the responsibilities that. That you have and the transferable skills, which I just think is so fascinating. I want to know more about your position as being a clerk of the course and what made you want to hold that position and specifically have have that license. Okay, well that was that's a good question because it, it was almost a natural progression for me because after I, I stopped being a track marshal, I, I did a bit of a, a paddock and assembly, and then I became a sector of the meeting, and that was quite a responsible job where I had to um you know take in the entries. You're the ones that have to sign the drivers on. Fill out lots of different paperwork for the for the for the, for the steward. Publish results. There's quite a lot of things. So being a clerk was a natural progression because I I sort of knew about all the other things and, and and put together. So now being a clerk means that you're now sitting in race control and then you're mm. part of actually making sure the meeting happens. So mm. one of the first things I have to do when I get there is if I'm a clerk and, and, and I'm doing what's called an operations clerk is you know you may have to go out and just go and check the circuit, make sure it's okay, make sure there's no problems before the stewards go and check it. So there's you don't. What you don't really want is for the stewards to go out and do their inspection and say, well, there's a fence that needs fixing or that needs doing. You try and go and make sure because the previous race 
meeting, there may something may have happened and it may not have been fixed properly. Then you check the timetable, make sure we're all everybody's on the right versions of the timetable. Then we then I work with with the um chief marshal to make sure we've got enough we have got enough marshals. Make sure I've got all my medical cover because you again you can't start a meeting until you know you've got this, your CMO and you've got the doctors and paramedics, and the rescue units and, and ambulances I mean, in place. You also have to have recovery. So we so again you have normally you bring in a third party um company or the circuit may have their own uh, recovery units which you hire that will then go and help pick up cars you make sure the scrutineering is going on because all the cars have to do pre-scrutineering and then you get ready to make sure that's all ready and then to go for nine o'clock in the morning because normally most races start at nine you go into qualifying so then i'm I then liaise with the assembly area to make sure the first cars are all there so that they can be ready to be released dead on nine o'clock. And then it's my t- t- uh, job all day to keep that timetable on time. Because with motorsport, you've only got one day often, possibly two if it's a two-day meeting. Mm-hmm. So if something doesn't happen and drive and people, competitors have paid to race. So they've mm-hmm. paid for qualifying in maybe two races. So if you run out of time, you don't make sure you keep an eye on what's going on, make sure recoveries are done efficiently and quickly so that you can get on with your races or if there's been an incident things are fixed and you can get that going and and often some and some circuits now because of environmental issues have got curfews so we may have to finish by six o'clock you can't there's not an open end so you might have to make sure you're finished your last race has got to be finished by by six o'clock oh and my gosh a, a noise issue so it's quite a lot of pressure so i'm constantly you know driving and pushing people on and you're trying to make sure you know as one race comes off another one's getting ready to go on the grid because also the public who come to watch they want to see things like they don't, they don't want to have you know, long gaps of nothing happening on the track mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well i see why you're reluctant to drive with people because <laughs> 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 makes a lot of sense now yeah, <laughs> i mean but it, the amount of intelligence and and accuracy that you have is i would love to for us to be able to just shadow you because it's so intriguing right. uh, all the different responsibilities that you have that, that's what's quite that's what's quite unique about it is the fact that you can have more responsibility for something that you do as a volunteer than you do as your as your job you know your day job the, the other thing i would just like to say is that uh, being a marshal being a marshal and post <clears throat> you've got you always have like a, a post chief or an observer who looks after that post and can be um you know they're in charge of that, of that, that group of people and it's the only job i know where you could have somebody let's say who's a lawyer and somebody let's say possibly be a I don't know, let's say a road sweeper. And the road sweeper could be like be the one that's in charge. It's not naturally going to be the, the law barrister. Interesting. So, so that gives that person the confidence that so they may not be that sort of um, you know, in charge in their day job, but they 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 are in charge, they are in charge on their, you know, on their weekend role. Carol, let me just ask you a quick question because you were talking about like making sure in all actuality that the that the cars run on time, like trains run on time. So in the in the GP, the Belgian GP, and how they had to delay the race because of all of the rain and not to mention the qualifying with the drivers crashing and things like that. How I I see you explaining how important keeping time is and also preparation and making sure that all the people are in place to have a a good race. I I think as a spectator, when I was watching the race, I kind of felt like, gosh, like how come they're just waiting? What's with the time delay? How come they just can't go on already? And you have provided so much insight on reasons why. So what was your thought about the G- the Belgian GP? Do you think that it was handled correctly? Do you think that there was anything else that they could have done? What are your thoughts on it? Nothing they could have done. I mean, it's it's a real, it's a real gamble because, uh, and especially the higher the level you go, and especially at that level with like F one, because you've also got TV rights, so you're also doing your timetables against the TV because everything's, you know, because uh, you know, is 
the races always start at the same time, but it's to the local time of where you are, but it's, it fits in with, you know, worldwide. And so whoever's doing the scheduling is, is then like tearing their hair out because you've got the, you've got the TV, you've then got to tell possibly any support races that are waiting to go out that they can't go out. And that you might try and get their racing at some stage, either that day or the next day. You're watching the weather. You've got to look at the grounds of safety. So if the track is really wet and you've sent the safety car out around, gone check to see how, how it's looking and what the water's like, you've really got to, it's a really hard decision because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So if you let them all go out and it's really bad and there's really bad crashes and, you know, God forbid somebody gets injured really badly, then you're going to get the stick. Right. You don't right. do <laughs> long hours and hours of everything. You're still looked at as a bad guy because it's like nothing's happening mm-hmm. so um and then you've got to go also buy some of the advice at the driver because they would have had a quick driver's briefing with either the team managers and all the drivers say what do you think do you want to go out in there and a lot of drivers were going no we don't want to go out in there because it's like you know it's our lives yeah of course of course i mean yeah. sebastian vettel definitely made his voice known absolutely absolutely because how dangerous all, it was yeah because all, all of them all know because i mean what we what we don't know you don't see properly you, you sometimes see it on the tv is the only person that's got any sight actually will be the first two cars mm. anybody that's behind them it's just a if you, do you not start driving in sick fog yes sick you can't fog. see anything can't right see anything. yeah right so you don't know if you come through if you're going to go on if a car has stalled, you're going to hit it, mm. or you've got to avoid some debris or something, and that's what the, that's the scary bit. Right, that's right. Bit. Well, thank you so much for your insight, and I think that us knowing that now will give a little bit more latitude towards the stewards yeah, and the decisions yeah. that they make. Of course, yeah, because because it, it is because obviously it's you. As I said as well, you can't always just go. Okay, we'll cancel it. We'll do it tomorrow because you can't do it always tomorrow. You can't always do it on a Monday because it's not that easy because because of all all sorts of things like the TV scheduling. You know, logistics, things like that. Can the public come back on a Monday? You just try to do the best you do. So that's why sometimes if it does rain on a qualifying day, they'll say, okay, we'll just do qualifying behind the safety car on Saturday, on Sunday morning. And they'll do, they'll do something. Or we'll, we'll do the grid on the results of the last race. So they'll all try and think of a way that they can get back in. It's not ideal, but it's the best, the best, best they can do. Right, mm. right. Okay. So I know you talked, I mean, like, like Tanya said, your insight into what is all involved behind the scenes or on the on the track that we are not aware of like I had no idea I mean of course you know that that there's a lot of planning but for you to have that role and responsibility is just beyond belief for me and so that which is really why we wanted you on this podcast we're so thankful yeah. for you to be here well, and I'm sorry sorry just, sorry, just, just give you a quick upside as well so I don't know if all of you had read back in July August there was a really bad accident at Brands Hat where uh-huh. somebody actually died I was, oh. the op- I was the ops clerk for that oh goodness oh, wow so, so that was having a real life situation so obviously the accident happened we all did what we had to do but then it became apparent that it was it was a bit worse it was it was going to be over quite quickly so oh, again no. we had to we have to very quickly get, you know, key people together, work out a plan, start logging every detail about what was happening. I was having to keep a detailed log of every single movement of, you know, ambulances coming in, who was doing what. And then we had to eventually make decisions. We had to abandon the meeting. You know, you see, then you have to, the announcements have to go out to the public. The announcements have to go out to the, well, the commentator. We had to tell the marshals without telling them too much. It was a lot. It was really, really, really stressful. And we were there till quite late in the evening. And when we finally got back to our hotels, we, we were still meeting up and talking about, well, 
well, what if we can't get the circuit back on, on Sunday? Mm. What's the going to look like? You know, let's talk liaison with the police. So there was an awful lot. And also, obviously, our spirits are very, very low as well. Yes, right, of course. Right. Goodness. Yeah. Understandably. You've got, you've got yeah. to pick our boots up and get on. So we're, obviously, we went back to the circuit the next day. We were all very subdued. By then, we'd got the circuit back. The police released it back to us. Obviously, the marshals were all devastated. They, by then, have worked out. Who, who who was on that on the post? Um, you're trying to not deal with not having to give out any information because you can't give out any information because it's still you know under under investigation. But the bestest and nicest thing that, that ever happened was that we all did this minute silence on the on the grid before the start of the race meeting. Everybody, all the teams, all personnel, we were all there, and that was quite moving. And that strength. That power mm-hmm. gave mm-hmm. us the impetus to carry on for the rest of the day. Wow. Well, it was dev- definitely a devastating situation. Good to hear how you all were able to come together. And, and I think it just resonates with us of why you're so passionate about what you're doing. And I know, I feel like you've done so much in your career. Like you've had to have had nine lives to achieve everything <laughs> you've been able to achieve thus yeah. far. And I know that you, I've read some articles where you're talking about that you want to become a steward of F1. Can you tell us a little bit? Is that like just a natural progression in in to the next step of being a steward of F1 or, or what makes you want to you know move into that direction well I want to make me almost another first I mean there are there's very very few female stewards you very very rarely mm-hmm. hear I think there's not, not even half a dozen I don't think at the moment around in the world the difference with um, F1 to club racing is that you, you're a clerk so basically Michael Nassi is a clerk but in F1 he doesn't make the decisions the decisions go straight to the steward oh. whereas in club racing the clerks make the decisions and if you have to tell somebody off guilty but the competitor can appeal your decision to the stewards so it's slightly different so mm. in race, our stewards don't, often don't have anything to do but in f1 the stewards are very very much active so it would be nice to see a, 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 a female in, in there that's actually doing that role um, and, and that's one reason why i still strive you know before i get too old and decrepit to see whether i can get there um you're not gonna yeah, get I too know, old and decrepit why do you keep saying that carol oh my yeah, goodness you're, you're, you're like wonder woman oh well <laughs> <laughs> I don't always feel like what it was at the moment, but yes. <laughs> well, if we if we need to put things into perspective for you, Carol, William Shatner just flew to I know so and yes. he's 90 years old. Yes, okay. So yeah. yeah, we still have we still have time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. No, no, no. Well, yeah. Well, and we hope that you become steward of F1 as well. Yeah, uh, and we champion you. Absolutely, you know, champion you, you, and whatever we can do to, to, to make it happen. But yes, Thank F1, you. hire her now. And it's <laughs> <laughs> but I know we, we've been talking a lot about Formula One. I know you've even mentioned some some club racing as well. But is it correct that Le Mans 24 is your favorite? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us, please. <laughs> yeah, I, tell love, us more. I love my F1, but I tell you, you cannot beat Le Mans 24 Hour. It's such a special, magical race meeting. It's hard to describe, but it's like telling somebody how to drive, learn to, to learn to drive. Unless you do it, you know, you, you, you don't, you don't know. But the atmosphere, the sound, the smells, the anticipation, what car's going to finish? You've got maybe over 100 cars start. How many are going to finish? Who's going to, who's going to have problems? I would find it very hard to go back just as a spectator, but I mean, because I have been, I've marshaled it, you know, so, so, so often. And that's one of the reasons why I, I don't go back because I, unless I could become a marshal or be in race control, I don't think I could, I could, I could do it again like that. I was so privileged that we used to, be, I used to marshal on the first and the second chicane on the Molesand Straight. Mm, oh my posts, goodness. Being on one of those posts at, I don't know, three o'clock in the morning. And then you can, you eventually get to understand or know the sounds of different cars. So before it even gets to you, you know which 
cars come in because you what so in tuned to the to the sounds of the car so you know whether that's a, a, a so car so carol can, can i what car sounded the coolest which one had the most distinct oh, sound back, back in the day the panels oh you cannot beat the sound of a panels at night really oh my gosh that <laughs> it just hits your soul of head <clears throat> yeah that's my favorite car that was one of my favorite cars now now we have to go to a Le Mans race babe ladies yes you've got to drive, go for the complex and go on the big well i never got the big but just watch people on the big wheel Eat a crepe at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's all got to be done. It's all got to be done. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic meeting. If you ever get the chance to go, it is fantastic. It really is, you know, because you can you're listening, you can have a little radio in your ear, listening to the commentary. And then, you know, and if you get the chance, you know, if you I think if you're watching, you can you can sometimes cycle around the circuit to go and to go and see um to, to, to see the different posts. But it is magical. And and, and the build-up during the week, because they know they used to do scrutineering in the um square on a Tuesday. Day, you can go down there and watch them do all that. There's usually a parade on a Friday going through the old town, and because on the on, on during the week you can wander, you know, wander around the circuit and you can bump into some of your heroes, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and what people forget, drivers used to come from Le Mans and become F1 drivers. And the one I was was, was talk about is Michael Schumacher. People forget yep. Michael Schumacher had a career as a, as, a, as, a, as an endurance racing driver before he got into F1, and so did right. Andretti. Andretti, Andretti yeah, Andretti did too. Yeah, so a lot of different people, you, you, you'll be surprised, and have, have, have done it. And the thing is, of what I love, it's not so much, it's, it's about the car, it's about the car and the drivers. It's about you keeping that car going for that level of time, from the start. It's not about getting to the first co- the corner on, the, on that first lap. You've got 24 hours to go. So you've got to manage that car. You've got to get it where go around so you can bring it back into your colleague can take over. It's right. working with the team. It really is a team thing then, because it's, it's, the, it's the mechanics, the drivers, that everybody all working as one. Definitely like one of the best endurance races ever. Absolutely. If not the best endurance race Absolutely. ever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So Carol, we're going to take this time and, and pivot a little bit because we want to speak about your business ventures and your community engagement surrounding motorsports. So can you tell us what you've been up to? Okay. Well, as I said, I've been in, in motorsport for um, over 30 years now and I always wanted to try and give back and I wasn't sure sure how. So when I did start another company called CV Motorsport and I did and I did have managed to do one, one youngster and his mother and I did actually run him for a year. Um, I took him to Ireland. We went to Kirkston. We do lots of testing and we used to race in Ireland and then I managed to get him into the Formula Ford Festival which is another big mm-hmm. race another big passion of mine and then the same the old adage came up that for us to go to the next level his mother didn't run out of money and you know and we just we looked at different ways to try and raise a sponsorship I got talking to various parents you know who, who had their children in karting and they all had the same the same they wanted me to help them but it, it was always about money was it an awful, no, so I'd, I'd give them some advice but it was always down to money so fast forward now to um 2020, Black Lives Matter, uh, Lloyd Floyd, and then Hamilton started to speak out. Right, yeah. Him that gave me the inspiration to because I've, I've I've sort of kept myself quiet. That's uh-huh. why, a people, why a lot of people didn't know I was about because I, mean, I was the first. And, there, and there's actually there's a couple more of us. Not, I'm not just on my own. There was a, there was a couple more of us, but it's still not enough. The landscape in motorsport hasn't changed that much when I started back in the eight, late 80s. I did notice when Lewis became. Um, a, got into F1 that you had a few more people watching so I'd see a few more different faces in in audiences around the world but reality is it still wasn't in, it wasn't enough there was, there was hardly anybody of colour in the teams and the only person you saw was Lewis so I I loved it when I when Lewis started talking and I realised that Lewis 
had sort of gone for a big change and, and sort of found himself. And, that's, and I saw that just when he started to braid his hair. And I thought, hmm, he's found himself. He's, <laughs> he's, yes. he's, up. he's, he's getting into that blackness, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it was a slow burn. And then suddenly, bam, there it was. See. And of course, it's made everybody uncomfortable because colour and diversity makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, and, you're right. You know, it's that sort of, they think you're going to go away or they want you just to be quiet. So most people were shocked about when I started talking because it's like, ooh, what's she talking about? And I'm not saying I, I love my sport, but I have had my issues through it through through all the time so but I didn't know how to address it Mm -hmm. so when Lewis spoke up I thought wow well Lewis is speaking I'm going to speak and also I wanted Lewis to know that hell you're 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 there at the top there's me at the bottom I've been here longer than you you know right so so that so that was it that gave me the impetus so I then got together with some of the 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 drivers uh, and fathers that I'd been talking to before and we had a zoom meeting and again I listened to their stories and I realized that the thing about them all being on their own and then trying to get sponsorship trying or trying to get advice about where they had to go get on they were all telling the same stories I said look I'm going to form a company with an umbrella so that it would be better if we, if we go out as a collective to try and get to raise awareness and to try and get sponsorship because you know we now talk about diversity and companies wanted to, to, to be seen to be doing something they may look at me better as looking to try and help lots of people rather than one father and his son going and knocking somebody's door saying give me £10,000 so my son can go racing they'll go well who's your son we don't know him what can he do for us right mm-hmm. right so better better together them yes, versus separately exactly, yes exactly. of course of course so, so next race generation was born it's split into two it's 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 it, i've got generation next generation, oh, sorry i'll just, just call it nrg it's easy to talk that way nrg <laughs> motorsport and nrg academy now the academy is going to become a um a charity social talk so i can go for charitable fundraising and go for grants and also that side of the company is going to deliver education so it's not just driver training not just um, health and nutrition and media training and all the sort of normal things that you'd get within motorsport i'm also going to have this add-on where we're going to help mentor um our young young boys and girls because some of them especially if they come from diverse backgrounds haven't got that same help they haven't Absolutely. They, they need help in, in knowing what subjects to choose so if they haven't got parents that are switched on that will that will, that will keep on at the teachers they need somebody else to help them help them say you can go for your astronaut why can't you become an astronaut you just need to find out what you need to do to become an astronaut then and then as they get Get in, let's say get to college or go to universities, they'll get on the courses maybe, but then they can't get any work experience because nobody will take them on. So they mm-hmm. their colleagues get taken on, you know, by a team or by a, a, a you know a touring card team or something, but they go and knock on that door and the door gets shut in their face. So yeah, NRG it does. will create those opportunities because we'll be having our own cars that we'll be running. And it means those people that are in colleges that want the training, they can be they'll be working on the cars. So we've got drivers and then we've got we've got we've got the um technicians, we've got the mechanics and whatever you want to be. And then also there's all the other roles within motorsports. So if somebody wants to become a journalist or just do social media or whatever task it is, we will provide that conduit for them. That's that's amazing because you are creating your solution is creating an entire ecosystem in motorsports for kids of diverse background. And that is what's needed, right? Like and what you've done, like every single puzzle piece that you have created is creating the vision for making motorsports more diverse and inclusive for, for all of us. So that 
and you, I mean, you've done it. You're doing it. I'm <laughs> so doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing Congratulations. Yes. And the other added one I want to add on to it as well is that I want to also introduce them to other black business people in the business out there who will come and give them, give them talk and talk to them. And also give them some black history lessons because when people start having arguments with you, sometimes these kids don't know how to answer back because they don't understand the history. So again, if they mm-hmm. have some, some 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 snippets of what 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 it is that we're, we're actually talking about, but they can then handle their arguments better. Also, how mm-hmm. to how to deal with racism, when to fight or when to stand back. You know, what what fight should you pick and when? So all little key skills to help them. Even if they don't stay in motorsport, they'll have key skills to go on out out there to deal with the world. Well, you have this young lady Tashari here. She will be more than happy <laughs> to show yes. my volunteering you. But yes, I know that absolutely. she's more than willing to do it. Her family has spent their entire lives on educating others about the black community and also our, you know, black people, their contributions to the United States, to the world as well. So, (laughs) Carol, I think you definitely exactly definitely made a connection here on on that aspect. Thank you. Thank you. I would love, love, love it all. And I just want to say with with me being like a black woman growing up in the United States, unfortunately, until I saw the events that happened with George Floyd and then also Lewis Hamilton taking a knee for the in racism campaign. I I don't I just kind of even feel embarrassed saying this, but I am going to say this. I had no idea the adversity that black people in the UK face and how similar it is to what we experience in the United States. I'm just going to say that. You don't know, girl, you know, and, and what's really bad is all the things that I had to grow up with as a child and as a young adult and you know, going on now, it's still happening now, 30 yeah. years later. It's still, yeah. but, it's, but maybe it's like subtly different because now you've got you know, social media and people can hide behind taunts. But I mean, I grew up with people, you know, neighbours actually, you know, white neighbours actually calling you the N-word or telling mm-hmm. you why you're there or you know, being really horrible. And you'd go home to mum saying, why has that man called you, you know, X, Y, Z? And yeah, or people, or yeah, just, it was awful. You know, it's just awful. Or spitting in your face, right? Yeah, all sorts, like all sorts of things. Yeah. All sorts of things. Then as you get older, then it gets turned into what's called banter. So people start talking to you and they'll they'll be talking to you and they'll, they'll accept you maybe to your group. And I suppose, suppose for me, I've always been the first. That's that, that's the thing. That's, that's why I suppose I've, I've had my shell. Because when I went to school, my infant school, I was the first black child in the school. The second was my sister. The third was my third sister. So I was always first. Wherever I went, I was always the first. In, in, in jobs, I was maybe the first and only black person working. And then people sort of maybe get comfortable with you, then they'll, then they'll be have conversation and then they'll forget you're there. And then they'll say, they'll go, oh, well, we don't mean you. You're okay. <laughs> right, right, right. The token black right. person is what we call right. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay. Or they start trying to talk me. I, I, I'm brought up in England. My parents are, are from Jamaica, but my parents never really spoke with a strong Jamaican accent. But pe- the amount of people that has tried to talk to me in a Jamaican accent or African accent is just, you know, and I think they're being funny. They just go, oh, you know, and that's go, and then, and, and I wish I'd, I'd stopped it at the time, but you just don't know what to do sometimes. You just think, okay, don't make any trouble. Just, just nod or smile or laugh with them. But I often felt I was, I was the court jesters. I often used to say, I felt like I was the one that was everybody's joke. Yeah. yeah it's, it's interesting because, you know, being, from being in America, 
I had a very similar, I had very similar experiences as well. But the hope that I have is in the the next generation, which is why I love the, the name of your company, like Next Racing Generation, because this the next this generation coming up, they do not allow disrespect. They are very comfortable with speaking up and speaking out about injustices that they're experiencing, and they are our hope. So the fact that you have this company and that you're supporting them to just strengthen them by providing them with a proper training. Uh, gives me a lot of really, like I said, a lot of hope just for the future for, you know, black people in motorsports and just black people in, in better positions and all around the world. Because you're right, a lot, a lot has not changed. A lot has changed, but then a lot of things have not changed. I still hear about stories of, you know, being called, you know, being called nigger or the N-word, how we want to position on a podcast. But yeah you know, still here and still today, literally, like we have a long way to go. But the great the great thing about this conversation is that we're not trying to do things we are doing it, you know, we're doing it. And we are we're we're making history and we're going to change the trajectory of black people all around the world. And we're going to need each other. So Thank you again for being on this podcast because it's it's a part of a of a community building and uh, a goal of us to to really make a lot of change. A global community. It's yes, a global absolutely. community. Absolutely. Well, you're all part of NRG as far as I'm concerned. You're all- <laughs> thank you, honorary members. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> So, Carol, I know that you spoke about the Next Racing Generation Academy. We also wanted you to elaborate a little bit more on the CD team of motorsport, but then also your involvement in the Hamilton Commission. Okay, well, I, t- I did mention at the beginning that CV Motorsport was, was, was the first company I was- right. I changed it into next racing. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, got it. So I became, I got onto the, so through, after me doing my first sort of few articles, et cetera, I, somebody put me in touch with Lewis's then manager, Mark, and then I had meetings with, with, with him and his uh, marketing team. And then when Mark left, they kept in touch with me. And then I'm now in touch with, with his new manager. And then I, um, I ended up having conversations with them about the Hamilton Commission report. So that was really good. So I th- would have very, lots of meetings with, with them and the Royal Academy of Engineering. And then um, I ended up being in the actual report, which was really lovely. So I got in there twice, once as myself and once as the next racing generation. So that was a really, really proud moment. And I can let you know here as well that they are actually doing a documentary of which I'll also be in, I'll be in that as well. Congratulations. Yes. I think in the UK in December. So that, that, that's quite good. So, well, yeah. please let us know, is it going to, where's, what network is it going to be airing on? Are we going to be able to see it here in the States? I'll, I'll Once I know, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, I'll, great, great. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, so I'm very proud of that. So, so it means, you know, they're talking to me, I'm talking to them. And what they're realizing is obviously there's, there's other people out there maybe, maybe sort of wanting to do things. I am the only person of color that's actually involved directly in motorsport. Other people can claim they want to do things and I'm not dissing them, but I'm the one that's actually in the thick of it, you know? Mm. So, 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 and people's, and my name keep telling them, on, keeps on coming up time and time again. So they, they may now realize that actually I am somebody that they, they do need to keep, they need to keep close by. So that's really good. Good, so, good, yeah. good. So, so, you know, so I'm hoping we'll be able to just work with some projects in the future c- coming up. So, yeah, so I'm very proud of that moment. And I'm obviously waiting for my my call with Lewis as well. So, <laughs> yeah. And you have to come back good. and tell us all about that oh, as yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. What's covered? Yes, I will do. All right. Well, Carol, you said a lot about your past experiences. I know you, you went into, you literally gave me a vivid image of Le Mans 24, which now we are wanting to plan to go to one and we will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to ask you, what is your fondest memory 
um, of working in motorsports. I don't know if it's the Le Mans 24, but do you have any other fond memories? It's got to be Le Mans. It's got to be Le Mans, but also the, the first A1 Grand Prix, because I was secretary of the meeting for that. And that was a unique experience. It was a brand new formula done for the first time. All the razzmatazz. We had all the shakes around. We had the big gold cup that had its own security team. It was, that was just an awesome event. To be part of that, in a, that was absolutely fantastic as well awesome awesome thrilling and now we, you, you spoke a little bit or not a lot actually about the hamilton commission about your stance as a black woman i really want to know and i think everybody else they also wants to know what is the toughest part or what was the toughest part about being a black woman in formula one because we do know that like in formula one we are a big minority in formula one so what was the toughest thing for you it's not just formula. It's just it's not just formula. It's in motorsport. That's what I have to okay. keep saying. It's yes. not just in F one. Everybody just knows about F one. It's not just in F F one. It's in, mm-hmm. in motorsport per se. It's a man's world. Yes, that's what they would like. Run be, by <laughs> men. Okay. Over the last twenty years or more, more and more women are slowly coming up the ranks. Okay, but still not, still not enough. To, mm-hmm. to think that we've actually got a separate race series called the W series. Yeah. Whatever you want to yeah. think about it. Yes, yeah. it's good on one hand, but, the other, but why? Really? My why sediments, women, exactly, Carol. Why do women not exactly. be in the same race? Why have we got a separate race for women? We don't have the mm-hmm. M series. So why have we got the, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're doing good things, but it's still, you know, it's still not what we really want to be doing. And I know a lot of the girls that race now would love to just be racing against the men and be taken on as a, as a, as a knee. It's being taken seriously. It's having to work 150%, maybe 20 times harder. The With with, with me, it's been people looking at you and going, oh, can she do what? Well, a, what's she doing here? Can she do it? And you've got to win somebody's trust. And then even when you've done that, then watch somebody else who's got less experience than you, then come in and then they get given a job because they're a man and they're deemed to be seen to be more capable than you. That's a hard short. That's a hard other. So this unconscious bias goes on all the time. Yeah. Even, you know, even now it's still going on. You're you're not the first person on the tip of the world that you wouldn't even consider. And even if you say you're brave, I think, oh, I'll, I'll put myself forward and say, oh, can I do that? They'll go, oh, we'll get back to you. Ah. Suddenly, suddenly they're feeling uncomfortable because it's like, do we really want? So they may not mind having a woman heading up or doing something, but it's saying, well, are we ready to have a black woman do that? Right. Well, so that's why it's it's really good for you to actually have these conversations. And we appreciate you having this conversation with us because it's come a time where we now need to stop sweeping things under the rug and saying this is mm-hmm. what's normal. And we actually need to have these crucial conversations, difficult as they may be. Mm-hmm. This is what needs to happen for the change we want to see, right? I, I need to be the change I want to see. So yeah. us speaking about it right now, it might be a small dent, but I yeah. think we are going in the right direction for sure. Yeah. Right? Yes, Martha. You, sh- yes. you shouldn't have to feel uncomfortable. You shouldn't yes. be the only one. And I want to start something, be the only one or being you know the first the first like we are so so tired of being the first aren't we carol (laughs) i thought what to be the first you know part of a community that is just wholly accepts you for who you are right Right. your skin color so my last question is this what advice would you give to young minorities wanting to get into motorsport never give up never give up 
never give up never really, take definitely. no for an answer if somebody's going to try and throw something in your way you find another way around it because there's always another way around it if, it, if, if advice you've been given is, is the wrong advice go and seek out advice from somebody else but never give up on your dream or your vision of where you want to get to you may may not become you know an f1 driver or, or an astronaut or whatever but you'll get done good 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 way up there so you, you don't know where you're going to end up so never ever give up have that wow. dream and make it happen that's carol glenn and you heard it first here on the apex takeover podcast so carol what has been one of the most incorrect assumptions that others have made about you oh that i'm not capable mm. i remember something happened last year i questioned or challenged something and i was told oh the person that got the the role they were more capable than me although that they although they had had less experience than me and that was quite hard to take um mm. like, well, what do i have to do to to, to, pr to prove you know i've got all this much experience i've done xyz and that's what you're telling me but again it's like i've said earlier it's that uncomfortableness is of somebody thinking mm, if i have this person here or i have this person here and the hard thing is that you've got to try and also make sure you don't come over, over as the angry black female as well yes of course the angry black woman that's the worst be, one yes they mm -hmm. will be first to throw that out there so it's a really really hard note so basically if you don't say anything you carry on the status quo and you accept everything life is fine but then occasionally you go no this is wrong i want i want to be taken more seriously i want to have a more active role i want to to, to go to the next level um and that's been, and then when you start putting your head above the parapet that's what makes people uncomfortable because they want you to go away they want you to just give up i'm not going to give up that's right we're not going anywhere no. <laughs> <laughs> all righty i wanted to keep it lighthearted, but I really do want to know the answer to this question because I think um, when when people share their biggest failures and what they learn from it, it really is impactful and it can really help so many people. So if you don't mind sharing, uh, what has been one of your biggest failures and what did you learn from it? I think my biggest failure was never speaking up, mm. just accepting, but not just in motorsport, but also in, in my job. Sometimes I look back on past jobs, just just playing the game and, and not speaking up for myself. Mm. And I regret that. And I think if I'd have spoken up for myself, maybe possibly things may have been different I don't know but I'm but I found my voice now and you can't shut me up now but um yeah I'd say yes. don't, be, you, you don't be afraid to speak up you know I, I, I look back at so many things that's happened to me and and I never ever spoke up really so nobody really knows so now that's why it's a shock to people they're, they're hearing what I'm saying but I there was times I would go home I you know you'd cry you'd be upset you'd be angry there was no way for you to to, to, to outpour but at least now I feel like I've got I've got, I've got a community I've got other people I can talk I can talk to and, and and I'm not afraid to speak up now. And as we sat and we have listened to you and all of your accolades and they are, I just want to ask you with everything that you have accomplished thus far, what do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to, to, to be that I helped change that landscape, that mm -hmm. I helped make that positive change, that the landscape changed positively, not just a tick box exercise, but I've helped get youngsters involved in motorsport or to be more confident to go out there and go for something that they want to go that it's not acceptable to, to, to be the first and the only to, to, to them, so that they can feel comfortable in going for whatever they want to do especially if it's in, going to something that's 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 not normal it's not running the mill why shouldn't you be there you have every right to be there so I, I, my legacy I'd love to see that you know I've got a plethora there's a plethora of drivers not just in you know F1 we should have them across in F1 and also in all of motorsports as well okay yeah. 
Okay. Wow. Well, this this is all really like honestly, Carol. I I really I wish I in a sense I think we can still do it all the way from North America, but I wish I could be part of just pushing you up there and putting you on the pedestal that you deserve. And I know people don't like yes. to say put someone on a pedestal, but it is what it is because if we don't do that ourselves, you know, no one's gonna do it for us. Yeah. So That's right. Mm-hmm. I really wanna command you for everything you're doing, and we are really here and wanting to see it through with you anything you need from us anything at all please do not ever hesitate to reach out now i have a different totally different far left question it's not like the far left but it's totally different from what we just spoke about so in life i know that we all have places where we come alive when are you fully yourself when do you where is that place that you come alive for you where what is it and where is it for you any race sec any race circuit i walk into on a saturday morning <laughs> how, did, how did i know you're gonna say that carol <laughs> I know. I was gonna say I'm gonna assume I know, but I also don't like making no. assumptions. So. I, I can have a bad work week, work a week at work, and be going, oh, you know, works this, works that. <laughs> then I get up at six o'clock on a Saturday morning, and I go, yeah, where am I? I'm here at I don't know Silverstone at Donington, wherever it is. And oh, as soon as, let's as, go. Forward, as soon as you walk through the door, your adrenaline kicks in, and you go, right, I'm ready to face whatever's thrown at me today. <laughs> we love it. I wish we had yes. sound effects here. <laughs> yeah, well, we can put maybe some sound effects. But I just want to say we greatly appreciate, as you said, you know, this this new Carol that is speaking up and speaking out because you, when you talk about your legacy, you are doing that. You're already like operating in your legacy. I feel like you've already changed. You've changed our lives just by every time we speak with you and and so many people who will be listening to this podcast and then all your drivers and the the students of your academy. So Carol, we just want to ask if people want to connect with you and reach out to you how can they best find you they can best find me on my via my website which is www.nrgmotorsport.co.uk and what about on social any of the social media platforms oh, yes we've got um the nrg socials are now there but there's also my own but there is nrg or oh, what's all the handles on on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter, and then my okay. own ones, are, and also I'm there as well as Carol Glenn on um, on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook. Awesome! We'll definitely will post those in the podcast transcript as well. So awesome! All right, Carol, thank you so much for being here today. Tashari, Martha, and I cannot, we're just over the moon and just full with gratitude that you were able to join us. Any closing thoughts, ladies? No, I'm, I'm, Keep I'm, going. I'm blissful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Carol, yeah. Carol, Carol. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to stay. And, you know, it'll be, yes, like you say, when we could go to space this week, that's my ultimate game to, 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 to get as far as I can in motorsport. Not just having my team. I mean, I want NRG to be like any other F1 team, to be like the, like, to be like Williams, so that the, that name is there, you know, as well as Carol Glenn being there as a senior official somewhere. Carol, you are relatable to us. You're relatable to me, and you've just filled my cup, so I appreciate oh, thank that. You. Thank, thank you. On thank so you. many levels. I so just many love levels. this. This has been lovely. Thank you so much. I've loved this every single second of this. It's been lovely. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, warms our heart. <laughs> so the Apex Takeover would like to thank Carol Glenn for being here with us today and providing her insight to Formula One, the Next Generation Academy, and her involvement in the Hamilton Commission. Martha, Tashari, and I also want to thank each of you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you haven't already... 
Share this podcast with your friends, family, and thank you so much for listening.